Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is July 18th. Why did I say 16th? I'm losing my days. 2019, and it's a Thursday. So it's one day away from Friday, and uh, it seems to be a very odd news cycle. I hope all of you can uh, see that as well. I mean, yesterday we had the rally. We had Ilhan Omar quoting Maya Angelou as if she's, you know... um, hurt over what's happening our president i tweeted out a little over an hour ago hey something must be bacon or breaking because he hasn't tweeted and boom just like on target his first tweet of the day was a lot of bad things are happening in puerto rico i think we talked about puerto rico was it in november or december guys Uh, The governor is under siege. The mayor of San Juan is despicable and incompetent person who I wouldn't trust under any circumstance. And the United States Congress foolishly gave $92 billion for hurricane relief, much of which was squandered away or wasted, never to be seen again. This is more than twice the amount given to Texas and Florida combined. I know the people of Puerto Rico well, and they're great, but much of their leadership is corrupt and robbing the U.S. government blind. Now, let's talk about Puerto Rico for a second. So let's be honest. Puerto Rico, we've annexed them, right? We got them so much into debt, we own them. And this is from years ago, right? Uh, From an independent you know, nation, you know, putting it just straight out there to what they are now. It's kind of like what the EU does to their states. But you have to wonder why so much money was given to Puerto Rico by the Democrats. Why so much money was squandered and cannot be traced. Why the FBI had to raid their offices and how the mayor of San Juan is still there. And it all comes down to a cultural thing, right? I've said this before. It's all about culture and accepting situations the way they are. Kind of like the Mexicans kind of, they're frustrated, right? They're really not happy with it, but they know that things, you know, there's the government and then there's the cartel. You know, those two go hand in hand and that's how it works. In Puerto Rico, the sense is it's the people and then the government, which is the cartel. Okay. The government in Puerto Rico is the cartel. People that are in office are always corrupt, doing favors, giving jobs to their family members and their close friends. I know all my Puerto Rican friends that are listening to me now, 
say darn you know it yeah it's a cultural thing man and and the thing is what people don't seem to get you know when they see it is how is this allowed it's a cultural thing from before you know the united states entered the scene you know q enter usa into puerto rico that's the way it was it was always about those in power leading and then it's like the 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 subjects even though they're free they're really not but having said that let me just say having said that even though there's this big you know distinction between people that work for the government of Puerto Rico and regular citizens and you know they're being ruled the citizens are literally being ruled they are supposedly free because they can always join the corrupt clan. There's nothing stopping them. They could be born, you know, in a household of like 20 people and, you know, live off of scraps for their whole life and still make it into office. So there's no distinction who they allow into their, you know, group. Now, if the president is tweeting about it, we should be expecting some serious stuff going on. Personally, empowered by such a president one would think that puerto ricans would be like all right enough we're done we're done all of you are done we are going to walk in there we're going to take you out physically we're going to stick you in a room and we're going to wait for the united states to send their feds and clean this place up you know if you if you put it down if we try to make it into like a more reasonable number so we can you know, so we can see the difference in balance. Let's pretend that the whole population in Puerto Rico is 100. Only like 12 are government. So the people of Puerto Rico can easily, without, you know, being violent, go remove them and stick them in a room because they say so, citizen arrest, and say, now we're going to wait for the FBI to clean this up because we're tired. We shouldn't be living like this. We got $92 billion dollars. We shouldn't be in this position. We should have food. We should have water. Our infrastructure should be better. This should not be happening. We demand answers. And no matter how much they outcry, this cultural acceptance that your government is always going to be corrupt, so what do you do? It has to stop. When are people going to stop? Because it's, it's when we have attitudes like, oh, well, you know, they're the good old boys. Oh, oh, well, they're always corrupt. And you do that. You just perpetuate it and let them get away with it. It's the point where people get up and say, okay, we're done. This is not happening anymore. We're many. You're few. It's finished. That's the way it has to go. I mean, we're seeing it on a national scale here, and we're not storming offices, but there are U.S. American citizens nationwide filing FOIAs, filing, uh, you know, complaints, filing um Court, you know, suing uh, the cities, states, uh, elected officials. I mean, it's just, it's a movement. Uh, Puerto Rico can get that done in like, in like 24 hours. Because the one thing about Puerto Ricans that everyone should know is that they have a line, right? They're the type of people that have a line. This is a cultural thing about Puerto Ricans. They can sit there, you can whip them, smack them, do whatever. But then there's a point where it's like, oh, don't cross this line because then you're done. So where is that line, Puerto Rico? Get that line out and reclaim your island, reclaim and fix your future. $92 billion to who? This corrupt mayor that is walking around your city in like 
very expensive loafers. <laughs> I I hate her shoes. Sorry, guys. There's just some things that I don't like. And, you know, I just don't like her shoes. Uh, they're very, very expensive. Uh, I saw a pair of shoes she was wearing that I had seen in Harrods once. And they've only made like one in each size or something, right? Um, and she was... <laughs> And she was wearing them. And I was just like, you're the mayor of Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is like dead broke. The country is in like super debt. How can you afford them? You know, I was actually contemplating back then. Maybe I should get a loan. And yet she gets them now because they're so limited edition, right? Maybe she got them, you know, where people like resell their stuff or, you know, just her size was never bought. I mean, I visited that shoe, okay, for a long time. Like I would visit stuff. Seriously, guys. Like there's this wallet. <laughs> I'm I'm being dead serious. My husband totally laughs about this, but there was a there was a wallet, a snakeskin wallet, uh, by Guy LaRoche, right? And I would visit the wallet. Like I would go to Harrods and asked them to take it out so I could see it and I'd open it and play with it and touch it now guys I was visiting the wallet so you know he'd call me and he's like hey are you catching you know um a cab or are you coming by tube what are you doing and I'm like oh yeah I'm just gonna get a coffee and he's like I know you're gonna visit your wallet and that's exactly what I would do because you know when it's a big investment you kind of go like I even put money in it just to see do I want it? and guys I bought it and I've had it ever since it's like a 12 year old wallet and you would never guess it's 12 years old it is so good and it wasn't that big of an in well it was a big investment I mean who pays you know 1200 pounds for a wallet right but I did and I still have it so considering how many wallets you would buy at an average of what $50 yeah no okay it's it's gonna make its time up all right it's 12 years old I'm probably gonna have it for another 12 years right okay so I digressed um so here we are with Puerto Rico the president literally giving fuel to the Puerto Ricans to what respond to do what to get going, to do something, say something. Now, um, it was reported just a couple days ago, um, and now the president is tweeting about it, that most of MS-13 gang members were indicted and arrested in L.A., and they were uh, illegal aliens, right? Uh, 19 out of 22 of them were illegal aliens, they have killed many people in a brutal fashion, of course. They should never have been in our country. I wonder if any of them is one of the killers in North Dakota. I wonder. So they should never have been in allowed in our country for so long, for over 10 years. Uh, we arrested and deported thousands of gang members, in particular MS-13. ICE and Border Patrol are doing a great job. You know, I really wish that ICE was more prominent in my state of North Dakota. We have a severe uh, human child trafficking exploitation problem but more so we have a heavy heavy MS-13 El Salvadorian cartel presence and you know I hate to say it but it's like 
the police protect them. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, they've got some hold on them. God knows what. So these are the two tweets our president sent out. And, you know, to think that the president would only start tweeting at around, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning Eastern time means that he's busy. And I'll tell you why he's busy. Uh He's busy because we've got a lot going on in the Middle East. Things are really heating up. I mean, we even saw the, the, you know, comedy tweeting. He was tweeting yesterday, you guys. He was tweeting. So it's, it's, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty hectic thing. So we'll talk foreign policy, uh, you know, in the second hour of the show. Because I'm going to tell you, you know, obviously we're sending troops uh, out to the Middle East, 500 of them in Saudi Arabia. And you're like, why? Why are they saying Saudi Arabia says it's heating up with Iran? Well, it's not really Iran. It's another country that is one that we've been talking about for a very, 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 very long time. So we'll get to that. You know, missing ships, uh, stolen ships. Ooh, it broke down, but instead... (laughs) we've confiscated it oh my gosh all right so we'll get into that later for now I just wanted to kind of put out where we're going as we see we are tackling human trafficking you know obviously we've got Epstein our president talked about it he made point about it he even showed this cute adorable baby just to be there in all its glory and that was awesome but what one has to think is okay internally what are we doing right internally in in a domestic sense so domestically we're cracking down on child and human trafficking rings because as i've said before it is the most popping industry on the planet and i've said this how many times because of the internet they are able to have access to products right? Products, because humans and children are products a lot more easier. Like I said, we're going to see things unfold with Epstein because, you know, certain photographers have to take pictures of merchandise and that merchandise is put online. And when it's put online for customers, it can be traced. So again, human and child trafficking is huge. I mean, there's a story out now from South Dakota, Obviously, nobody in South Dakota, North Dakota wants to ever talk about the garbage in their own backyard. It's like they're trained to be like, yeah, so we don't talk about that. We're just going to throw it under the bed. Again, kind of like the whole Puerto Rican point that I was making. If you let them get away with it and if you don't talk about it, it's going to be there. Uh, Don't they say that you have to confront the demon? Don't they say you have to name the demon to expel him? Well, how are you doing your job in expelling corruption, in expelling evil, satanic, disgusting? These people are sick if you're not calling them out. I mean, you have to call people to the carpet. You have to. That's the only way we fix things. Uh, For anyone thinking, well, there's a better way. No, there isn't. And this is why the Trump presidency is so effective. Because he is proof that there is no better way than calling it what it is straight to the point. No dilly-dallying. Boom. And it's done. Now, the rally yesterday. (laughs) was really good and I know a lot of you were like oh my gosh everyone was chanting send her back and Ilhan Omar came out oh they do this and what was the quote that she did and I rise like a cloud and it's like no you don't girl girl you're gonna be sent back you know what here's here's the thing that I wanted I was thinking about this yesterday and I was like you know I have to tell my listeners about this 
So we have all these refugees, right? imported, paid for businesses like Lutheran Social Services are making top dollar. We're talking multi-million dollar industry to bring these people that refuse to assimilate to our nation. And they also bring unaccompanied minors and minors I use with air quotes because they say whatever age they want to be and we're not testing them to make sure. Are you really under age 18? Well, you know, nobody checks. So I was thinking about it and I was like, all right, because this article that I have kind of in draft talks about how, you know, all these Somali refugees, like they scam our, you know, Medicare, our Medicaid, you know, they get all these benefits, daycare benefits, which, you know, is in court right now because they were upset that Fox 9 said, oh, in 2017, it was like over a hundred million dollars. Now, what they did was sensationalism. $100 million is the amount of aid Somali migrants, you know, or refugees, let's say, got in the state of Minnesota for daycare. So what was determined in other states, Seattle, um, Maine, and other states, when they caught them flying out of the country with million dollars in their suitcase, like cash, like one guy was stopped with like, 10 million dollars on his carry-on and it's totally legal to have that cash with you on a carry-on by the way leaving the country obviously coming in you have to declare it right so you're like okay well why are you taking all that money back right so the question is ooh, al-shabaab <laughs> And so if you ask me, my opinion was the attack of that last week that happened in Al-Shabaab funded with federal tax dollars, I would say most likely yes. But that's not what I wanted to put across to you. So let's pretend I was a citizen of, I don't know, Uruguay, I'm just saying. And I'm there and the government suddenly decides that it wants to prosecute all Christians and kill them all. Let's just pretend, right? And I'm a Christian, and so my family's under scrutiny. My kids are, you know, being attacked at school. You know, my windows are constantly broken. I'm carrying a gun because there's people following me. What do I do? I apply for asylum, right? So I go to this, you know, big box store, like a Lutheran social services that gets paid to import me and my kids, and I apply. And then they bring me to the U.S. And then I, you know, become a citizen, and then I um, get a job, and then, you know, picket fence the whole nine years. I'm just working and doing my thing. So why in the world would I travel back to a country that I fled? I wouldn't, right? You wouldn't. You wouldn't say, well, I'm going back because I got family. Because here's the funny thing. I want an audit of all these darn refugees that come here. That have come to our nation claiming refuge, claiming asylum. These Somalis, specifically the Somalis because those are the ones that we're importing through Lutheran Social Services. And then I want to check, do they go back to their country within a year, two years, 20 years? What is it? I'm going to tell you something. Within six to eight months of them being here, getting set up, getting a job or whatever, the average is actually a year and three months I did the research. They go back. This is a stop. You left that country because you were scared that you were going to be killed. You came to our country because you were being persecuted, yet you're flying over there within 12 months of escaping, right? Of escaping. 
back to that country with cash for vacation. Are you getting this, guys? Do you see where this uh, problem lies here? Like, I would understand if there was like something like, say, for example, someone ran off from Venezuela under Maduro because they're being prosecuted like they have, like we saw in that conference with Pence, right? So they leave and then, you know, uh, suddenly Juan Guaido is in, uh, Venezuela changes, and, you know, five years later, these people travel back. I get that. But hold on, man. You came here as a refugee under President Abdullahi, yet you're flying back still under President Abdullahi. And, you know, why did you come here in the first place? How were you a refugee? What were you running from? Because obviously you're running back to it. And this is where I'm getting to it. Send her back, right? If we took away her citizen and sent her back to Somalia, would she die? No, she's a celebrity. They talk about her every single day on Somali TV. They talk about her every single day on their radio, on their newspaper. She's a celebrity because her brother-in-law is now the prime minister of Somalia. So she can go back. She could go back and fix it since she knows so much because you know what she's done and what a lot of people have done is that they've come to our country fleeing a nation for XYZ reasons, only trying to make our country look like their country or act like their country. And I'll tell you what, I was doing my homework on another city that's being plagued, and I'm not going to mention it so that I don't lose my sources. But I, I kid you not, there are articles that these people are writing. They're like, oh, it's so amazing. We never thought that the streets would smell of goat stew in America. And it's like, they're not supposed to. It's supposed to be hamburgers, hot dogs, cotton candy coca-cola not goat stew it's not supposed to smell like that that's not america and i'm not being racist you guys know i love culture and one thing i do is when i go to another country i respect its culture i actually delve into it dive in the only thing that i won't do ever is eat durian fruit okay and jackfruit those two things I, I don't and and live slugs. I don't care or woodworms. <laughs> I don't care how rude or or bird's nest soup, uh, guys. I've actually put that in my mouth. Didn't know it was bird's nest stew. It tasted like barf. Oh my gosh. So. Other than that, I respect every single culture. I love it. I enjoy it because when I go to another country, I'm going there to experience them, not to experience me. I don't want to go to Saudi Arabia and experience the United States of America. I don't want to go to Italy and see, you know, refugees, you know, from, uh, you know, wherever putting on, you know, the call to prayer. That's not Italy. That's not Italy. Italy is me going by the Spanish steps and being catcalled. That's Italy. Italy is me being flagged down by the gelato guy on the corner telling me to come and get ice cream. France to me is smelling cigarettes, coffees, and perfume. Not curry, not, you know, garbage, and not hearing the call to prayer. This is the problem. We need to understand that individual nations need to maintain their sovereignty, but also their culture. And so what I'm seeing that this Ilhan Omar is doing through our halls of Congress is trying to change the foundation. She is hijacked. She's a pirate, right? She's a pirate. So right now she has hijacked the ship of America and she is trying to change the way we steer and we float our ship. 
She is telling us how to do it. That's not right, Miss Omar. You can go back. You are not going to die. No one is threatening you. I've got pictures of you meeting with the president that you had protested with two terrorists inviting you to Villa Somalia. So don't tell me that you're scared. You don't need refugee status. You need to go. Because the more you stay here, the more you cause division and you sow this division within our nation, the more harm you do for us. And I understand you've got care behind you. Awad, his organization by the end of this year, and I guarantee you, will be labeled a terrorist organization. CARE will be deemed a terrorist organization. The stuff me and Laura Loomer US have uncovered about CARE will blow your mind. But the thing is, they already know it. This is why we need to get rid of the central agency. We've got a great intelligence community that does not need those that practice, let's say, intelligence. Oh, how do I say it? Who pretend to be serving our nation. How's that? Instead of other uh, interests. I'll say that. So bottom line is we need to draw the line too. Kind of like I said, the Puerto Ricans always have their line. They have their like, you know, where they're like, okay, enough. That's it. It doesn't even have to be a slap in the face, a whip in the butt, more taxes. It could be something as stupid as you're not allowed to have cherries this week because we're not going to bring a ship in with cherries. That could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Where's the straw on our back? When are we going to draw that line? So this is where we're at. People see it racist. No, man, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Those four clowns, Ocasio-Cortez, stupid. She's a puppet. She's retarded. Rashida, she bows down to Ilhan Omar, and I don't think she even wants to take the route Ilhan does. I think she regrets it. She regrets it because she understands what a great opportunity would have been for her being Palestinian to be a voice, but an American voice. And, you know, uh, Presley, geez, I mean, she's just she's just as stupid as the majority of those people that are out there. You know, SJW, that's all she is. I'll see you all just after this break. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. All right, welcome back to the Tory Says Show. So I'm a little bit fired up, you know, when I see uh, a hashtag, I stand with Ilhan. Man, I don't stand with her. If you stand with her, you stand for anything not American, okay? Let's just put it out there the way it is. Non-American. She is not even who she says she is. You know, her daddy is not her daddy. You know, I've seen all these exposés, this guy, that guy, but he is not her father, guys. That guy is a war criminal too. And like I said yesterday, and I like I've been all these war criminals are coming here because of Lutheran social services. How long until we realize that these um factions that are private companies that are posing as independent nonprofits are making bank importing these clowns? How much you want to make a bet that if you audit every single inch of those those companies right? (laughs) You'll find a lot of missing money. I'll tell you what, my state, huge state auditor report came millions missing, especially when it came to what they didn't even update their information, Lutheran social service. And this was a health and human services, um, uh, single audit. It's on the North Dakota state auditor website. Now, after he published that, I'm going to tell you what the legislation did. They passed a law saying he can't audit anyone unless legislation approves it. State legislators approve it. You get how corrupt people work? Because how do they explain that they were paying one person, one person, $51,000 a month to adopt or or to adopt one child? What? How come Lutheran Social Services, who is importing, importing, Somali unaccompanied minors to the state of North Dakota not updating their records and they don't have records about the kids. They were literally copy, paste, copy, paste. Nothing was on the record. Tell me why. Are they bringing these kids in to sell them? Are they sending them to these training camps? What are they doing? Or are they selling them for organs? I mean, you know, those with high melanin that are not, like Omar claims, part of the Darude clan. Well, Omar could be part of the Darude clan. Uh, Maybe three quarters, not full, because she has more African in her than Arab. But anyway, um, you know, they're, they're an acquired taste. 
And what people don't seem to understand is uh, uh, we're going to talk about cannibalism today, guys. And the reason I want to say this is because we're going to we're going to go there. We're going to take that flight and put our tinfoil hats on today because, uh, you know, sometimes remember how I always say, uh, don't take my word for it. Don't take what you see online, you know, uh, people writing up commentary. Don't, don't, don't. Think for yourself. I've said this so many times. But I've always said that if you want the truth, you ask the person that you're questioning or, you know, you have doubts of or that you want information from directly. So this is why I always say, you want to know what's going on in the United States of America? What's important? What's in the news today? You look at the president's tweets, right? You want to see what's going on in France? Look at what Macron says with his own mouth, right? Not what the news media says or his statements out where people write his own mouth. Watch him. Like if you watched, you know, the squad, if you watch the squad, I want you to pay attention to their squad conference and fast forward. No sound. You will see that Omar is in charge of that squad. I mean, as a pirate, you always take control, right? Especially when you're hijacking a whole nation. She's a damn pirate. So she is making changes. That's why I put out that little meme of South Park. You know, when South Park went to Somalia because they wanted to be pirates, that episode. Well, I kind of like put her face on Cartman's face where he's like, ah, if we want to be the most feared nation, we have to make changes. Right. And he stands up with his pirate hat. I superimposed Ilhan Omar's face on that. And then I put at the round table, there were three seats. Guess who sits on those three seats? <laughs> Ocasio, Presley, and Pleb, right? And then in the background, I have Nadler and Frederica Wilson. And there's a reason I put them there with Pelosi just watching because this is exactly what's happening. Ilhan Omar, look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. That is exactly what she's done to the Democratic Party. She is that hijacking pirate she is a pirate i mean it's in her bloodline anyway but she is a fraud her daddy's not her daddy president trump yesterday what did he say yeah you know i hear she married her brother you know i i someone may be looking into it guys we don't even have to look far like i said you know pretty simple we have access to every single family members of hers DNA whenever they've gone to the doctor, whenever they've gone for a test, whenever they were born, we have their DNA on file. We can pull it and compare pretty much simple done. We don't even have to ask because if you actually read the fine print in, uh, you know, your uh, consent to treats, it literally says we can share your information according to federal law. Federal law has a lot of, you know, subsections. Okay, guys, there's research, there's criminal, there's this, there's that. There's you're in our house. You're filling our uh, halls of Congress with anti-American rhetoric. You're a terrorist in plain sight, period. Now. Before we end the Omar stint, I'd like to play a small clip from yesterday's rally because, like I said, listen to them speak directly. It tells you a lot more than me analyzing it, than CNN, than Fox, than Rush, than anybody analyzing what they say. You just need to listen to their words. I'll give you just a couple. I have pages and pages, but we don't want to bore you. We don't want to go too long. 
But we have to give a couple, because that's the great thing about live television. They can't cut it. Representative Ilhan Omar. Of a really great state. I almost won the first time in decades and decades. Minnesota. Great state. By the way, I keep hearing how much enthusiasm is in the radical left. I don't think they have enthusiasm. They're just fighting with each other. We have all of the enthusiasm. He goes home now to mommy and he gets reprimanded and that's the end. Sorry. Okay, he's referring to a protester. So there was a protester there that couldn't even (laughs) hold the sign upright, right? Saying that he had a picture of President Trump and Epstein calling him a child rapist. How dare he? He just wanted to get the effect. And the thing is, that's one thing President Trump isn't. He was the sober one and remembers everything you didn't while you were drinking. He was he was always a straight arrow uh you know he liked he, he liked he liked women though you know he was a womanizer but like i said i met the man when i was a little kid i met the man when i was a little kid and you know kids have instincts right kids have instincts they know if they like someone they know if they don't right they're except if they're like totally socially inept and they just you know kind of like my uh, late labrador right he would just go up to anyone right there are some kids like that because we've actually trained them to be like that now um but he is a good guy he is a very look at his kids They've never been in the news, you know, scandalous. I mean, lately they have, okay, we have to say, you know, divorces, stuff like that and whatever. But he's a really good dad. He's a really good provider. He's a great granddad. And he's an all-around good person. That's why they hate him because he rubbed elbows with all of them. And then he would just go wash himself off. You know, you can rub elbows with dirt. Doesn't mean you have to be dirt, right? Sorry, mommy. Sorry, Mom. Didn't mean to embarrass your Mom. But it's true. We have the enthusiasm, folks. Look at this. Look at this. And by the way, thousands and thousands of people outside and people that couldn't get in. Thousands. We've got all the enthusiasm. They're fighting each other. They've gone so far left, nobody wants to even think about it. So Representative Omar 
blame the United States for the terrorist attacks on our country, saying that terrorism is a reaction to our involvement in other people's affairs. She smeared U.S. service members involved in Black Hawk Down. In other words, she slandered the brave Americans who were trying to keep peace in Somalia. Omar minimized the September 11th attacks on our homeland, saying some people did something. I don't think so. Some people did something. Yeah, some people did something. All right. She pleaded for compassion for ISIS recruits attempting to join the terrorist organization. She was looking for compassion. Omar laughed that Americans speak of Al-Qaeda in a menacing tone and remarked that, you don't say America with this intensity. You say Al-Qaeda makes you proud. Al-Qaeda makes you proud. You don't speak that way about America. And at a press conference just this week, when asked whether she supported Al-Qaeda, that's our enemy. That's our enemy. They are a very serious problem that we take care of, but they always seem to come along somewhere. She refused to answer. She didn't want to give an answer to that question. Omar blamed the United States for the crisis in Venezuela. I mean, think of that one. And she looks down with contempt on the hardworking Americans, saying that ignorance is pervasive in many parts of this country. Now, before he continues, I just wanted to guide you guys on my Twitter profile at Tory underscore says I've pinned to my profile my latest article on Ilhan. And it was exactly that I was explaining to you why she cannot condemn Al Qaeda. And I've uh, done a very good job in demonstrating it to you, but I want to also remind everyone that she's done that before. Now, first of all, I also demonstrated to you that Al-Qaeda is one in the same now with Al-Shabaab, which is one in the same with the Muslim Brotherhood, which is being the coalition in the Middle East uh, and in the Horn of Africa is led by the Al-Qaeda Yemen group, which is being led by a guy that we had at Gitmo that, what, Obama let go. And I've even put in there a secret document i've linked it up it's a secret document where it has been leaked so i didn't leak it myself okay so if anybody comes knocking on my door i'll be like hey here's where i found it because i didn't um so i'm very careful on what i put out there because if it was secret Uh, and not cited, I would have posted it with redactions. But anyway, in there, it tells you just how horrible this guy is. But we need to remember that back in 2013, when there was an Al-Shabaab attack in Kenya, right, that took the lives of tons of people, Ilhan Omar blamed the Al-Shabaab attack at the Kenyan mall, guess what, on us. She said it was because of the U.S.'s involvement 
This is what she thinks of the United States of America. Again, a woman that has had closed door conversations with enemies of our country. Huh. Not just Turkey, not just Iran, but she's got very close ties with Somalia, which is a Muslim Brotherhood terrorist nation. It is run by pirates. And her brother-in-law is the prime minister. And she is not a refugee running for her life. She is a celebrity and they adore her. Her name is Ilhan Abdullahi Omar. And she's also met with President Abdullahi behind closed doors. She's also met with President Sheikh, the one that she protested behind closed doors. He even invited her to go to Somalia. Why would you invite someone that is not in Congress? Why would you invite a simple Minnesota rep? People pay attention. Who is she? Will the real Omar stand up? Will she though? So this is something we need to remember. Now let's finish off this clip before we get into a little bit of cannibalism just to end the first hour because we need to talk about that. And obviously and importantly, Omar has a history of launching vicious anti-Semitic screeds. So everyone was chanting, send her back. And, you know, everyone was like, oh, my gosh, how racist. Nope, not racist. Not racist at all. It's a fact. Send her back. We do not need people like that in our halls of Congress, period. Now, shifting gears. Like I've said, not only do you listen to the president of the United States leaders and everything, but you also listen to celebrities, too. They tell you exactly what is going on. So I don't know if you guys follow the pop scene. And when we start talking about the Middle East, we're going to kick it off with 50 Cent. I swear. And it's so hilarious. And how Nicki Minaj is so butthurt. But um, when we uh, talk about about listening to them it's important now there was this new uh up-and-coming singer that children uh adored my daughter loved her when she first came out because my youngest loves to listen to music that people don't listen to and my eldest as well they like to look at pocket music not mainstream music because it's art well she used to like a singer called billy ellish and then she said uh, the other day, Mom, um, something's wrong. She's saying things that are really concerning. So I kind of dug into it. And what people don't seem to understand is pedophilia is tied with pedivores. Okay? And this is going to be coming to the surface. I know this is a very hard pill to swallow. But I would like you guys to listen, listen to the words being said in this song that was played on, um, oh, what's his name? Shoot. I keep forgetting his name. He's a clown. This is, it's because he's a clown. And it's like, how do you not know his name? Jimmy Kimmel. There we go. Let's take a listen. Here we go. Here with the song, Bury a Friend, Billie Eilish. Bury a Friend. What do you want from me? Why don't you run from me? What are you wondering? 
Before you hear the next, which is alarming, I hope you guys heard the chorus, which was cannibal class, bury your son, you know, bury a friend. Here's where she tells you more. So I'm going to tweet this out for you guys so you can see the video because in the back uh, when uh, she says that, uh, the you know, when she says this last phrase, I want to end me, and then she continues the song. Uh, a demon, sorry, that played again. A demon-like figure comes up. I kid you not. Like I said, all you have to do is listen to them. They say it in your face. They tell you to your face. It's just that no one's paying attention. Kind of like I said, if you want to know what's going on in Iran, follow the Iranian leader. If you want to know what is going on in Saudi Arabia, follow the prince. Follow his team. If you want to know what's going on in the United States, follow the president because everybody tells you. Uh, If you want to know how corrupt Jimmy Kimmel is, follow. How perverted he is, follow. Matt Lauer, follow. Follow, follow, follow. Listen to their words. Don't listen to other people's words. Listen to their words. They tell you everything you need to know cannibal class you know you can bury your friend i urge you when you watch this to put on uh you know uh the cc you know the closed captions so you can uh see it uh 
She literally said, I I sold my soul. She literally said, I want to end me. She literally said all these nefarious things. And uh, again, they are in your face. They are telling you what they're doing and no one is paying. You think Jeffrey Epstein didn't? You think Hillary Clinton didn't? You think Bill Clinton didn't? Do you think Obama didn't? He told you. In the roast, he was saying I was engaging in things that, mm, you know, maybe white people shouldn't be doing. Why would the president of the United States open up a roast with that phrase, white people? He is so divisive. He was telling you what his agenda was from day one. It was apologetic, open borders, create division, you know, and minimize and minimize certain types of people and rise a 0.01%. You know, there's people out there that are saying, LGBTQ, oh my gosh, they're not a race, dude. It's who you sleep with. I don't care who you sleep with. You don't need to be protected for anything. Do your thing. Nobody cares. And if you find a business that does care and they discriminate against you, it's probably because you're wearing, you know, your sexual preferences on your chest no one would ever guess if I like women or if I like men if I like both if I like dogs cats nothing when I go to work because it's none of anybody's business what I do see this whole movement you know I talked about retail stores uh sexualizing our children I talked about you know how they push to change the face of what is normal and what is not. They are making sex mainstream. They are making deviance mainstream. They are making evil mainstream. We have the left demanding that we get kids out of cages, as they say, in concentration camps. But they're the first ones to say, well, if a baby's coming out of a woman and right before it crowns, she's like, I want to kill it. I don't want it. I want an abortion. They'll take it apart. If a baby is aborted and it's alive, they will kill it. But yet concentration camps, supposedly, right? They're they're, they're going that far. This is how insane it is. But they've been prepping us. They've been doing this for a very long time. And they've been priming us so that we accept these things. Now, over the break, I'll tweet out that YouTube link so you guys can watch the video yourself during this uh, short five-minute commercial break, uh, you know, that benefits Red State Talk Radio. So I'll see you guys in just a bit after this break. And we'll talk foreign policy. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio.
You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. So this is the second hour, and like I said, we're going to be talking foreign policy. And how this is going to roll in is we're going to talk about uh, what... Uh, was um, discussed on July 17th in regards to the citizenship question. We're going to roll into a little bit of Omar and how she plays a role in what's really going on in the Middle East. Analyzing Rouhani's, uh, not Rouhani's, uh, Khamenei's tweets. And I'm going to tell you stuff that happened over the weekend that uh, seemed to be questionable. And because I had access to information that wasn't publicly available, I wasn't able to talk about it. But if anybody noticed, I was up at like 3 a.m. Eastern time, 4 a.m. Eastern time tweeting uh, only because I was listening uh, to those um, hotspot radios. Uh, there's hotspot radios, um, you know, that uh, broadcast uh, from uh, Basra in Iraq, uh, from Syria, and um, from uh, a little group in Doha, Qatar. Uh, that one is more propaganda, Muslim Brotherhood, Turkey, and all that. Uh, but all of those uh, play radio uh, waves from Iran and uh, you know they had a lot to talk about about Israel and there was a lot of talk in what's going on and why the president was very busy this morning and wasn't tweeting so we'll get into that so the first thing I want us to do is um, just listen to a two-minute clip of Jim Jordan and what he had to say about the question about the simple question of being an American citizen and why they are fighting this, you know, when they were voting about uh, A.G. Barr. Take a listen to what he says. A friend from Ohio, the distinguished ranking member of the Oversight Committee, Mr. Jordan. Gentleman's recognized for three minutes. Thank you, Madam Chair. I want to thank the gentleman from Kentucky for yielding and for his great work on the committee. Um, Secretary Ross and Attorney General Barr are doing their jobs. So what's their reward? Democrats are going to hold them in contempt. Both, ag both agencies, the Commerce Department, the Justice Department, have submitted 31,000 documents to the committee. They've made available all kinds of witnesses for depositions and transcribed interviews. In fact, we've got another one happening later this month. And the secretary himself sat for over six hours in a hearing answering every single question the committee had. Raised his hand, said he swore to tell whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help him God, a answered all the questions. And what's he get for it? Democrats are going to hold him in contempt. And why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? All because, all because they don't want a simple question on the census. Are you a citizen of the United States of America? That one sentence is driving it all. Are you a citizen of the greatest nation in history is driving it all. They're going to hold two people doing their jobs in contempt, all because they don't want to do what's been done for 200 years in this country, 
Since 1820, in one form or another, we have been asking the citizenship question on a census. They're going to hold them in contempt. All because they don't want to do what the UN says is the best practice. They're going to hold them in contempt. All because they don't want to do what's just plain old common sense. Listen to what Justice Alito said in his opinion a couple weeks ago. No one disputes that it's important to know how many inhabitants of this country are citizens. And the most direct way to gather this information is to ask it in a census. Shazam. Imagine that. Best way to figure it out is to ask the people in the country that you're surveying. Holy cow. And here's the kicker. Here's the final thing. You go anywhere. Go anywhere in this country. Any state you want to go to, walk up on the, some small town, some big city, walk up on the street, ask someone on the street, do you think when we do the census to figure out how many people are in this country, it's appropriate to ask if you're a citizen? And every person you talk to, every single one of them, will say, well, heck yeah. And oh, by the way, aren't we doing that already? And you'd have to say, yes, we've been doing it for 200 years. Yes, we have. So take a think of this way. Let's pretend you're someone that doesn't like the United States of America and you don't like it and you want to leave. Okay. And you smuggle yourself on a boat, you know, maybe the Queen Anne going to England, which by the way, I so want to do that boat. Is it the Queen Mary or the Queen Anne? I don't know. It leaves New York and you go like old school Titanic way with balls and dances and food to go to England. It leaves New York, I think like uh, once a month, twice a month. I don't know. Anyway, so you get to Europe. Uh, No, let's not even uh, wherever. Yeah, let's pick a country. Um, let's pick France. No, because Americans kind of live there, even though you need a visa. Let's pick, let's pick Australia. That's right, because they don't let Americans live there unless they go by the point system, right? So you go to Australia, and you land on the shores, and then you knock on their welfare door and say, I want a house. I need food. It's a human right. I need health care. It's a human right. I need to clothe my kids. It's a human right. Um the first question they're going to ask you is, all right, so have you paid into like unemployment tax? Um, do you work here? Or are you a citizen of Australia? Nope. I am here because, you know, I'm seeking asylum because in the United States, they're not giving me benefits and or whatever. You say whatever you need to say to pretend you're a refugee. I don't know. Uh, they're trying to make me work and they can't because I get stressed or have anxiety. I swear, go to YouTube. There's a bunch of social justice warriors saying the same thing. So the country will probably deport you, first of all, and they will not give you benefits. The reason we ask if you're an American citizen is because we need to know how many actual mouths we have to feed, how how many actual children we have. We need to know what our population growth rate is. We need to know what our health care status for our citizens is, our citizens that have rights in our country, and they don't want it. Of course they don't, because guys... The estimated population in the United States is said to be 385 million. I'm telling you it's probably around 450 million. And I'm going to say this, and you watch me be right when we could do the numbers, I swear to you. You watch that we have over 100 million 
illegal migrants in this nation. I can almost guarantee you 50 million of those are probably sucking on the teat of our welfare of our federal tax dollars. I guarantee you there is no way. I mean, these people have one house and 20 people live in it. You know, (laughs) I'm just saying you're going to see how staggering it is. And that's why we need that question. We need to know how many of you are really in here. How many of you are not really in here? How many of you have rights? So where does this end? I want to tell you something about care. Okay. Care was supposedly established in 2001 after 9-11, right? Now, Awad uh, existed before 9-11. He had his own like Muslim thingamajiggy. He was friends with Bush. He was actually like his diversity advisor for the White House, some crazy thing. So anyway, care was established. If you go to any state's secretary of state, you'll see that CARE or Muslims for America, but you know, they change their name sometimes, is registered in your state as a foreign entity to do business. Now, they bring a lot of money from Muslim Brotherhood nations. What is the Muslim Brotherhood? The Muslim Brotherhood is... Um, an organization that has been shunned upon by the Arab nations, just so you guys understand, because they're considered too radical, too aggressive. Now, I'm going to take you guys back to just a few um, years ago where Saudi Arabia and Turkey butted heads. Obviously, they butted heads, you know, um, because of Mecca, and they were forced to relinquish rights to Mecca. But the Muslim Brotherhood was something that uh, the Arab nations did not want. And there is like a whole like meeting thing that they have where they get together. I'm going to be doing an article on this, uh, the OIC. And, you know, they really got into it because Turkey, for some reason, hosted it, right? And, um, They took their opportunity to take jabs at Saudi Arabia because they're working with the United States and because they're working with Israel. Remember, I told you that they're building like railways and stuff like that, right? So it is it is pretty interesting, very interesting to see how um, a lot is circling around Turkey lately. And so what people need to understand is that what's going on in the Middle East right now is not something new, right? But it is something that has been, um, I would say, growing for a while, uh, only because there was resistance from other uh, Middle Eastern and the Horn of Africa nations to comply with this universal government. You know, there, there, there is that struggle. Now, uh, I wanted to just say something that was really weird that happened. So there was an air-to-air missile that was found and captured in Italy. That uh, air-to-air missile was um, determined to be from Qatar. And apparently it was sold maybe 25 years ago to Spain. So 25 years ago, Qatar was selling air-to-air missiles to Spain that somehow ended up in Italy. Um, Do you remember how I um, kind of referenced how 
Malta, Turkey, and Qatar are working together. I just wanted to put it out there. So all of this is actually coming together because the people that had possession of this missile is like the Antifa version, the Italian Antifa version. And, uh, you know, that's been making headlines in Europe now, how 25-year-old missiles that were sold to Spain 25 years ago suddenly are, you know, um, popping up in Italy, heading for guess where? Malta. Uh, So on that note, guys, I want you to know that I will have an article going out later today to explain Libya. Here's why. And this has to do with the Muslim Brotherhood, and I'll probably do that on lauralumer.us, though, that section of it. Uh, But I will be referring to it in my Libya article. Uh, Like I told you, imagine Libya is the state of Florida, okay? Just imagine that the nation looks like Florida. Well, you know what? Let's find a nation that looks kind of like Syria, like Libya, Um, Montana. All right, there we go. So let's pretend Montana is Syria. All of Syria is, you know, in controlled, controlled by all of Syria. I meant Libya. All of Libya is controlled by the Libyan National Army. The one that the United States backs, Saudi Arabia backs, Egypt backs, every non-Muslim Brotherhood nation backs the Libyan army. Now, imagine Billings, Montana, right? The whole city and its suburbs. That you could pretend is Tripoli. Tripoli is the only place where the UN recognizes the supposedly legit Libyan army. That's how small it is. And it is led by, guess what? The Muslim Brotherhood. They are the Muslim Brotherhood. So here's something that I'm going to earwig to you. Why is the United Nations backing the Muslim Brotherhood? Think about it for a second. Because there's a white hat and then there's a white helmet. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something. And this was something that was told to me at a very young age that I didn't understand until later on. Mm Hmm? But I was told by someone that was very superior to me that had a few stars on him. He said, listen, Maris, if you ever see a white helmet, run. They are never good news. And I was thinking, what is he talking about? They're here to help. They're the UN. No, they are not, guys. You know, I thought that to myself, you know, as we're sitting there eating, standing up. And, you know, he's taking me under his wing. You know, I'm like, what is he talking about? And we were standing up in a pool because it was that hot. You know, I didn't get it. Now I do. Well, I got it a few years later, and I'm conveying that same thing to you. The White Helmets are the most horrific organization there is. I can't wait for us to completely pull out. Now, here's what's going on in the Middle East so you guys get. Um, There was a terror attack uh, yesterday in Iraq, The um, second in command Turkish uh, consulate or Turkish ambassador in what one would call the Kurdish um, control of uh, Iraq, which is it's like um, it's uh, uh, um, Erbil, which is kind of like um, northeast, no, northwest-ish of uh, Baghdad. And um, it was Wednesday that um, two Turkish citizens um, 
who were with him were killed uh, at noontime. So according to like local chatter and what I heard on the radio, uh, armed people started shooting at all Turkish officers in a restaurant, um, you know, that is run by Turkish people. And this is where the Turks kind of meet. Now, remember, the Turks removed everybody from their consulates back in 2014 in Basra and in general in southern Iraq. Now, uh, they have been, they were shot down in the restaurant and, um, you know, uh, basically it's just being, the whole place is like corded off right now. I think the restaurant's name was called Hukkabaz, if I remember correctly from memory listening to it. Um, so basically the, uh, Kurdish, uh, organization, um, RKK or PKK, however you want to interpret it, uh, said that they didn't have anything to do with it. So the Kurds already, you know, and usually they like to take responsibility. They didn't have anything to do with it. And so uh, Erdogan's, uh, you know, public officer said that um, the people that are responsible for this will get what they deserve, you know, the usual speech he does. Well, if the Kurdish people didn't do it, who did it? And here's where it gets nice, deep, and dirty, okay? So we've got the Turks on end. In the meantime, what I want you guys to know is in Kuhabaz, in the restaurant where they were meeting these Turkish people, guess who else was there? Whoa. Kenyan and Somali officials meeting and talking with the second in command ambassador. You would say like what? Vice ambassador? Because they have that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, Turkish military persons. They all sat down and they were meeting there. Right. They all were having a meeting. And you know, why are the Somalis and the Kenyans meeting in Iraq? I mean, that's like so weird. Right. So they're all meeting there. And um, what I found odd was that, you know, when the radio station was talking about this attack and saying, you know, this, 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 this is an attack on the Muslim Brotherhood. What people don't seem to understand is that we will stand together for all those that believe in Islam. And it should be, you know, stated as such that the West shall pay for these things. Now, What's really weird is, is that, you know, they started to intertwine with Palestine and they started talking about these things. Um, but what was also weird is that the commentator who was, you know, saying these things had another dude on and he was like, yeah, you know, uh, it, it's I, I believe that they were targeting more Turkey and Qatar and were kind of caught off guard with this meeting you know, of all these leaders of the strong Muslim Brotherhood that look to discuss how they will, you know, take care of Libya, how will they take care of what is going on in the diplomatic crises that are uh, happening in our regions. And also Kenya supposedly is, um, and, and Somalia are under threat for elections and overthrow and impeachments and all this stuff. Uh, but, um, you know, Al-Shabaab obviously is supporting them and so is Al-Qaeda, so. So we don't know if that happens. But so that happened. Okay. I just want to say that happened in Iraq and it's like a little bit northwest ish of Baghdad. So as that happened, 
<clears throat> and they were talking about this. They shifted to Ilhan Omar on the radio. And this is how it went. It seems that President Trump has severe Islamophobia. Uh, you know, he wants to, uh, you know, uh, get rid of Ilhan Omar. So the commentator goes, yeah, well, he's questioning, you know, her origins. And he's uh, how do, he was kind of kind of saying that, you know, he's kind of right by examining because, you know, if anyone would come to our nation, uh, you know, and become a citizen here and then rise up in the ranks, uh, you know, and they started talking bad about our country or saying things that we were at fault and we were, you know, as we are enemies with the West and they were applauding, you know, the the West and not us, uh, it would be a problem. And so the other commentator goes, yeah, but see, we're not dumb. We don't let our enemies come into our country. We don't open the doors to anyone. That's how stupid Americans are. Dude, this was the conversation. So uh, they said that they were very proud of her. Uh, for putting forward the boycott on Israel because all the Jews need to die, etc. And then they went on to say, and now we have to focus on the surrounding nations that are adamant about westernizing themselves. And, you know, if it means that we need to be taking ships, then so be it. And we will kill trade, etc., etc., etc. So I was like, ah, now here's where it came. I was like, wait a minute. I heard that on July 13th, we're talking five days ago, five days ago, and you guys know that I love to troll marinetraffic.com, right? There was a vessel that went missing. A vessel that went missing. This vessel went missing in the Strait of Hormuz. This vessel flies with a Panamanian flag, and it was last detected at a latitude of 26.6406 degrees and a longitude of 56.33832 degrees, which puts it on the map right off uh, the coast of uh, La Car. Uh, it's, you know, where the Strait of Hormuz is, you have like uh, the tip tail, which is like Oman and UAE, right? Kind of like that. And um, uh, you have, um, uh, you know, the, the remember the U-turn kind of thing. Well, Iran has like islands too. So there's like a um, an island where, you know, really nice beaches, but they smell like farts because obviously oil and stuff is um, by Kashem. Uh, so this island is uh, the Larak Island. It is very well known to be like the international uh, trade route, you know, where you kind of like Yui uh, to go, you know, around the bend of Kusmar Bend in the Strait of Hormuz. So you can come out the other way, right? So the ship goes completely missing, completely missing. No one talks about it complete. But well, actually, I think CBS had said something about it. And I was like, oh, maybe I should talk about it. And I was like, oh, no, because I know other stuff that I shouldn't be talking about. So I can't. So apparently um, they had talked about it a couple days ago where they're like, oh, you know, Iranian boats tried to intercept a tanker, uh, you know, and they're saying that uh, the United Emirates shows that an oil tanker that's based in the UAE was traveling through the Strait of Hormuz and drifted off into Iranian waters, which is BS. Because the thing about maritime.com is that it gives you latitude, longitude, where they last like were, okay? It doesn't like, oh yeah, kind of over here. So where they were 
um, which is like southeast-ish of the Laroc Island, is international waters. Those are international trade routes where ships kind of turn to Yui, right? So what happened? So the ship completely goes missing. Nobody knows what happened. And... Um, you know, they're like, where is this ship? Uh, it didn't, you know, the United Emirates already said, hey, you know, when the ship went missing, it didn't say that, uh, you know, it was in distress or anything, right? Um, what is going on? So nobody knows what happened because it was crossing over into waters. So it was like our date, July 13th, uh, I guess local time would be July 14th, right? Um, and I could tell you the exact time it last pinged was, let me pull this up for you so I can give you exact. It was a uh, four hours plus UTC time. So it was 2358 UTC on the 13th. Uh, so it was on course. It was um, underway, and then it just, bloop, gone from the radar. Gone from the radar. So people were like, did it sink? Did they die? Did anything happen? Like, what's going on? Right? Nobody knew. The ship is gone. So the United States intelligence, right, um, was like, yo, we heard chatter that the Iranians seized the ship. And she says, no, 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 no. Can't happen. So the U.S. is having bad, bad. No, 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 no. So Iran comes out two days later saying, oh, yeah, uh, you know, that missing tanker, we kind of towed it for repairs. And it's like, but they didn't put a, a distress call. Yeah, so we got a tugboat and um, we kind of went and saved the boat because it was in distress. And this was from the foreign ministry spokesman, um, uh, you know, Musavi. So this is a really big deal um, because they said that they responded at a request of the tanker when the tanker never said anything the last time it checked in that it had a problem. So we'll get to this because this is really big news right after the break. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. All right, welcome back to the Tory Says Show. So uh, let's pick up to where we were. Uh, we were at the point where this ship goes missing. No one's talking. And then Iran out of the blue is like, oh, yo, yeah. Oh, talking about, oh, were you talking about a missing ship for the past 40 hours? Darn it. So sorry. We forgot to tell you. So there was a ship in the Strait of Hormuz, you know, that kind of drifted into our waters, which is complete BS. And, um, you know, they asked us for help. So we used our tugboat. And, you know, all we did was bring the boat to our shores and, uh, you know, we have taken it and we're, you know, doing repairs and, you know, once it's up and ready, it's going to get going. What? Wait a minute. Hold on. So there's international uproar for a missing ship, but, um, the ship, uh, supposedly asked for help and you didn't think, oh yeah, by the way, hmm. So that's curious, isn't it? Very curious. So here's the deal, right? So Iran says that they um, helped this uh, broken down tanker, right? With its small crew. Now I'm going to tell you something about um, the ship that is missing, okay? The missing ship is called the Riyadh. Okay, the Riyadh is an oil tanker. It's an old oil tanker. It's small. It's got a crew of maybe 10 to 12 people. Totally on point with what Iran said, the kind of crew that they helped out. <laughs> and so um, it, uh, it's a ship that didn't give a distress signal, right? It's a small oil, air, uh, oil tanker, right? Didn't give any distressing signal. Uh, everyone's saying that it's, um, you know, uh, the ship of the United Emirates, it's not. Um, it doesn't have any Emirati personnel. You remember how, you know, Japan had a ship with a um, Norwegian flag and then um, the staff was Japanese. That's why they said it was Japanese. But then there was another ship that had a Panamanian flag. No, no. They didn't have Norwegian staff. They had something else. Uh, shoot. 
No, they, they had Japanese staff. That's right. And they had rented it off of a company from Europe. And then the other ship was a, uh, another, a Taiwanese flag that had a Norwegian crew, right? Because it was operated by Norway, if you remember, with those supposed mines and stuff above water, etc. Well, this one, everyone keeps saying it's the United Emirates ship. Now, indeed, there is a ship that usually leaves, okay? Just so you know, it goes back and forth because it's small, because it's small between, uh, you know, the west and the eastern side of Saudi Arabia. So it travels uh, from um, Asharaja uh, um, and then it goes to the other side and then back Sharaja and then back. So it's kind of, uh, it's just, it just goes back and forth, you know, around the straight basically. So everyone's saying that it's a UAE ship and, you know, that's the one that it is. But here's the thing, this mystery tanker that just disappeared from the transponder, like boom, you know, in the middle of the night that no one heard of. They're saying that it drifted, that the um, Iranians helped it. But here's the thing, you know, we told them that we say that the IRGC is involved. Here's the IRGC messing stuff up again after, you know, obviously the um, the Ayatollah Khamenei is saying, look, hey, uh, Europe's not working with me on this deal, so we're not talking. But then on the other hand, Iran's like, hey, U.S., let's start talking because these people aren't paying. They're not adhering to the deal, so why should we? They haven't been doing it. They had 11 things to do. They didn't even do one of them. So we're not talking to them. So suddenly the IRGC is becoming aggressive. And this is not a UAE ship, by the way, just so you know. It's flying with a Panamanian flag, but it does not have UAE staff. And this is why the president was busy this morning. Because obviously our intelligence, hence why I couldn't talk about it, had more information on this. So... Apparently, from what I know from sources, uh, the IRGC actually forced the vessel, you know, through pushing it. You know, that's what they do, like with guns or whatever, or bullying them, how they do it, to go into Iranian waters. And so once it was there, the Iranian Navy vessels actually, uh, you know, um, supposedly, this is what the Iranian state news agency is saying, wait, that, 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 um, it, it broke down and then they went and it was disabled and it's a foreign oil tanker. They, they didn't even mention on air, which is really annoying because they stayed up all night just to listen to whose ship it is if they slipped um, and that they are helping them. And it was partially disabled in desperate need of repairs. But the thing is, it was the IRGC that drifted it into there um, by bullying it. So then because it was in the waters and they can prove through their radar that it was there that um, it was pushed into there and they say it violated their waters. Are you getting it? So now the tracking data, like I said before, it's showing that, you know, it was, you know, based, the ship was based at the UAE and going through the Strait of Hormuz. Now here's the weird thing. So maritime traffic always tells you when it leaves and where it's going. So apparently the ship had, um, had left, um, on the 1st of April from Sharasha. So it's super weird. So the information here is very conflicting and it's showing that it's going back to its port, but it can't track it. So I'm just telling you something super up because, you know, 
nobody knows what's going on. Now, I want to tell you guys that the UAE is saying that that tanker that was missing is not, you know, theirs. And, you know, tanker trackers uh, had said that uh, the Panamanian flag tanker Raya uh, went through the Strait of Hermuz for fueling other vessels and it crossed into Iranian waters. Now, um, you know, and that's the first time that they saw that ship slow down. But its last known position is Kashem Island. It wasn't. It's actually Laskar, which is like uh, southeast of it. So it's like a little island, like a rock island, at, you know, in the international water area. So... It's what's really crazy is we don't have Emirati staff. We don't have all this stuff going on. Uh, we don't we don't have the UAE uh, saying, hey, it's our ship. Nobody knows whose crew was on it. Nobody's talking about it right at all. But what we do know is that um, the United Kingdom has decided that they're going to be sending another warship through down to the Strait of Hormuz. And it makes you wonder, why are the Brits responding? I mean, you know, why are the Brits responding to this to say it so you know a couple of days ago they were saying oh the missing ship iran's just trying to help you know what are you doing you know they're just being nice it broke down and now iran came clean and said what today Mm. yep we obtain and we seize a fuel smuggling tanker in the Gulf. Guys, do you remember how Gibraltar, let's take a trip down memory lane from like a week and a half ago. You remember how Gibraltar, you know, confiscated a tanker in international waters and said, oh, it had crude oil and it was like violating sanctions and it was going to go to Syria, even though it was physically impossible to pipe up to Syria. And it was a fuel, a ship, a tanker that would fuel ships, right? Ship to ship fueling, not going somewhere and dropping off oil or anything, right? Remember that? Well, this is the kind of tanker Iran just announced it seized today. So when I heard it on the radio, I was like, well, hold on a second. Wait, 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 wait. So wait a minute. So you said, you know, two days ago on your radio that you found an oil tanker with uh, 12 crew members uh, that was broken. So you towed it into, you, you know, your ports and you were fixing it. Now, two days later, you're like, we have seized a foreign tanker and it's 12 crew on Sunday for smuggling fuel in the Gulf. Did you hear that? What? Sunday morning, right? Like midnight. That's when it went missing and it was supposedly broken down, right? (laughs) Are you paying attention? They now say that they seized it that day, same time, same place, right? (laughs) As the missing oil tanker. Are you getting this? So like the United States already knew... We said it, and here's the thing. It's not the UAE's tanker. I mean, it is like, you know, they owned it, and it parks there, and it takes, you know, oil from there so it can gas up other ships. But what other ships was it gassing from April when it last left? If it left in April, if Maritime.com is right, you would tell me that from one side of Saudi Arabia, to of uh, the United Emirates on the west, to go to the east would take, what, three months? Give me a break. We got a ship leaving the United States and heading to Greece with 80 choppers within a month, and you're 
you're going to tell me to go around the corner over the straight. It took you three months. So ha, there's your clue. And Gibraltar's your clue. Gibraltar wanted to convince everyone that the oil that they confiscated was crude oil and it was not fuel oil, right? Remember, I had done a whole show telling you how that was fuel oil, how that tanker's an old one, how it fuels ship to ship. It could have been in the Mediterranean fueling U.S. ships. It could have been fueling, you know, Syrian ships. It could have been fueling uh, Libyan ships, Israeli ships, God knows what, but it was confiscated by what? Gibraltar. And now the IRDC confiscated a very similar ship. So, you know, the UAE came, look, it, it is, it is the, the Riyadh and no one is naming the comp, you know, the, the vessel, the foreign tanker that they caught smuggling fuel in the Gulf, right? So Iran caught a vessel smuggling fuel in the Gulf. How do you smuggle fuel in the Gulf of ultimate fuel? Are you getting it? So they didn't say it was the Riyadh. I listened to the radio. They didn't. But they said the exact same things about the ship that they towed supposedly for repairs. So uh, what's funny is, is that, you know, the ship that they towed never, you know, put out a request for being towed, uh, you know, was bullied by the IRGC and taken. And so the IRGC's um, Sepmanu site actually said on Thursday, uh, d- today that is, that, um, gosh, I'm on like Iran time from listening to their radio. I really need to fix my sleep. Uh, but what they said was that the um, fuel ship, right, uh, was actually seized on Sunday when they were doing naval patrols and they discovered it and confronted the people that were smuggling or organized smuggling. Okay. It had a maximum of like, um, I think it's like, um, how many liters would that, that, that would be about 2 million liters of oil. So, um, that's the capacity it has. So, but it only had about half of it. So that was curious. And, uh, you know, even the IRGC said that it was at um, south of Larax Island, which I'm telling you is international waters. And so they were caught, this crew was caught trying to give um, this fuel that they smuggled um, from Iranian um uh, people to other foreign ships. So um, now they're like putting them through trial. So apparently this ship got um, Iranian fuel that uh, didn't come from, was not allowed to be sold by Iran. Does that make sense? Is what they're saying. Now the UK, like I said, is demanding that this be de-escalated and they're sending warships. So, we know that they've been having warships in there shadowing their stuff. But, you know, um, it just seems really weird that, um, you know, they're kind of all over the place right now with this. So, here is where it's getting a little bit murky. And now the president announced that we're going to be sending 500 troops, right? 500 troops um, to um, Saudi Arabia. Sorry, not the UAE. Speaking of Saudi Arabia, by the way, there's like a huge concert today with um, Janet Jackson and 50 Cent. Now, um, I just wanted to say 
Nicki Minaj was supposed to go, but she was like, I'm not going to Saudi Arabia. I don't like the Saudis. Khashoggi. So she didn't go. So instead, 50 Cent and Janet Jackson, huge concert. They're huge fans. Uh, so it's going to be pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Um, so I want to tell you guys where um, the troops that we're sending are going to. They're going to the Prince Sultan Air Base. Uh, that's right by Al-Karaj, and um, it's 500 troops. I want to tell you that it's like, um, it is the most direct route, so usually troops that are there, or if you're in that area where that air base is, I would say, um, is direct to Qatar. Qatar. Now, I want to say, I want to say... That we're having a lot of heated tension with Qatar, Turkey, and Saudi Arabia. And I know the news are saying we're sending them to beef up for Iran tensions, but it's not the case. See, there's a big beef up in Qatar. And, you know, the Saudis and Qataris are not on good terms. Why? Because the Qataris are very strong Muslim Brotherhood things. And so it got me thinking, I mean, wasn't the Qatar, you know, dude just here, the emir just here talking? to the president and they were talking about trade now we're sending troops to Saudi Arabia to help them when we know that there's tensions with them that's the question so my thought is that that Saudi tanker um, may indeed be either Qatari or Saudi now, I don't know if um, if it was Saudi, it would be um, uh, more open, but I actually think it's Qatari. And if uh, it's Qatari, it's probably because they're trying to hold Turkey and Qatar responsible for what's happening in the EU. Now, we do know that Russia has been putting pressure on the EU to kind of work with them, but... Um, you know, it's really, really, um, how shall I say, complicated. We're sending troops to Saudi Arabia. We don't know what crew is on the ship. We know that the UK is responding with warships. But we also, uh, from what I heard on the radio, um, Qatar is having some ruffling going on. There was a lot of chatter about Doha and um and whatnot. So you have to think the IRGC, who's not working with the company, right? Who's not working with freeing Iran, but instead working with the clown agency. Uh, it seems to be that I feel that um, we may indeed have a little bit of a maybe shift. I'm actually thinking that maybe if we are able to determine if indeed the Muslim Brotherhood will relieve or be removed as a hold in Qatar, that this could indeed be a shift in policies. I don't know. I'm just saying. But just for now, I just want you guys to know is that we already knew that this ship was captured by Iran. Iran came forward two days later so people don't start probing. Oh, yeah, by the way, like, yeah, you know, midnight, you know, Sunday midnight or Saturday late evening. It was 2358 where they got the last ping off Lorak Island. There's a lot of people saying Kashim, which is Iranian waters. That's false. It was Lorak. Even the IRGC said it. Um, and they even said it when they seized it, too. So they said that they picked up a ship that was broken down and they tugged boat it back to Iran to fix it. 
and the same and it had 12 people crew right and it was the and and you know that's what they said and they're like oh maybe that's your ship but they didn't confirm if it was the Riyadh or not okay so they're like hey the Riyadh is missing where is it and everyone's like I don't know and then everyone's like yo uh I don't know maybe it's the ship that broke down and we towed well can you tell us if it's called the Riyadh no answer two days after that announcement it's like so we seized a fuel smuggling ship in our waters just at you know midnight or late night saturday night early early sunday morning for smuggling fuel with its 12 crew with its 12 member crew and they're in trouble okay sounds very identical to the ship that you supposedly helped because it was broken so is it the Riyadh? Because we're still missing the Riyadh. Mm, don't know. Obviously, it's the Riyadh. Obviously, you know, the UAE came on record saying it's not their crew. It's a Panamanian flag. Who was taking that ship? And why did it take three months to go around the Strait of Hormuz? Who is dilly-dallying and got caught? And why is the R- IRGC, the clown agency arm of Iran, getting iffy, iffy antsy, upset? Right. So this is, you know, a little bit of an of a problem. So in um, two days ago, two days ago, uh, it was uh, supposedly AP was like that. We were saying that the UAE base tanker was captured. We knew that. Okay, we knew it was captured because it was in international waters, okay? And it would have just said, yo, our ship's not working. Hey, send it out. Because it is a ship that's been around, what is it, like 80, a 30-year-old ship. So, so yeah, it may break down, right? So what we have to see right now on what's going is that uh, Iran was very, very upset about the... Um, ship to ship fueling tank well they claimed claimed it to be you know how it happened with Gibraltar remember Gibraltar oh yeah we just decided we're going to investigate and yep we seized it it's ours and it's like hmm and then this ship is traveling for three months to go around the corner supposedly according to records right when it should have two million liters of you know fuel it only has a million so it's half full so where are you going with half full oil uh you know supposedly um iran is saying that they you know got this oil from illegal places in iran where they're not allowed to sell oil and it's like why wouldn't iran want to sell oil no one's buying from them so it's like mm, something smells here so what we need to know is that this ship is registered the registered owner i'm going to tell you is um prime tankers llc and uh, you know they're out of dubai um but it was actually um sold to another company mujal bahar and um you know for some reason nobody knows you know who owns the ship because al bahar will not verify if they have a ship or not. But the UAE came on the record saying it's not ours. So it's like, who bought that ship? Who bought the ship from, you know, the Dubai-based company Prime Tankers, Muj Al-Bahar? Oh my gosh. Who would that be? So I just want to say that 
the vessel that Khomeini was talking about, and he called it piracy, remember? He said when Gibraltar hijacked our fuel, you know, the ship that goes fuel to fuel, it was piracy, pirates, just like Ilhan Omar, pirates, and saying that it was sanctions to Syria and whatnot. Khomeini came out and called it piracy. So they said that they seized an Iranian supertanker carrying 2.1 million barrels of light crude oil when the vessel actually had fuel oil. And he called it piracy. Called it piracy. So now a ship goes missing and it's retaliation. So can we assume that Mr. Mujal Bahar has something to do with the crown? Yes, we can. But then we can also assume they only had a million gallons and it took them three months to go around the corner, which means something's really up. And with the tweets yesterday that um, Kameni, he has a Twitter account. I mean, you could follow his tweets. He put it out there and made it clear um, you know, to the EU, he said it. I mean, I follow him. You should follow him. It's in English, too. He's a verified account, too, I think. Um, he pretty much said uh, what is going on. And he said he is not, you know, not uh, going to be lenient on this. He was very upset. He said the British government committed piracy. It's on his Twitter feed. And then they'll continue to cut down on their J, you know, on their agreement commitments because the Western governments, listen to this, major vice is their arrogance. If the country opposing them is a weak one, their arrogance works. But if a country that knows and stands against them, they will be defeated regarding our ties with the European, what makes problems persist is their arrogance listen to what the ayatollah is saying again according to our foreign minister europe made 11 commitments none of which they abided by we abided by our commitments and even beyond them now that we've begun to reduce our commitments they oppose it how insolent you didn't abide by your commitments guys he's speaking to the united states now it's all done and like i said we can thank the european union for this hot mess this morning this hot mess that's going on in the gulf because they're to blame but we can also blame the muslim brotherhood that is attacking the ayatollah from talking and is trying to fuel the war in the eastern med and sparking it in the middle east uh, i mean after all that's why all these turkish right and qatari officials are coming up dead and if you do your homework on the muslim brotherhood you'll see just where it stems from <laughs> soon to come care will be designated a terrorist network we do not need the Muslim Brotherhood in the United States. From all of us here at Red State, I want to wish you guys a great evening. God bless, and I'll see you all here tomorrow, same time, same place, 12 to 2, only on Red State Talk Radio.
Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.